I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And a fine Saturday morning to you. And a very nice day to you. It's a nice, sunny, hot day here, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> Blue skies. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's hundred degrees I know, already. Hundred, hundreds is, and and mm. Pete, and Pete's below fifty. Maybe are you are you below fifty degrees out there? Why? I am checking, and right now it is fifty-seven. Oh wow! Suck it, okay. Sarmento. Okay, you're you're you're, you're <laughs> on the verge of spring there. It that's is, nice. Wow. It's balmy. It's here. balmy. For those not on Fahrenheit, that's thirty-seven or 38-ish here in Arizona, and uh, about uh, 14 <laughs> for Pete. Yes. <laughs> what We're doing units now? We're Celsius. doing that's thing hey, that we're we've doing. Got, well, you know we've got international. This is not an American-centric podcast. That wasn't actually my, my point. My point was, I worry that nobody cares about temperatures no matter what the <laughs> units are. <laughs> Uh, do you do you think we should open up with? Let's see. Here are the things we need to talk about. We need to talk about the hollowed out event and experiences corpse that is Disney. We need to talk about oh my god, the children who are running AMC and Universal. <laughs> uh, and we need to talk about uh, Andy and his daughter's uh, uh, quibby inflicted experience. Where would you like to yes. start? And, and the Oscars. Oh yeah, the Oscars. Oscars had a big, the Oscars yeah, big Oscars. Yeah. There's some. Things going yeah. on there. Where would you like to start? Well, I feel like I should just fill you guys in on Quibi just to get that out of the yeah. way because I I feel like you've made it into a thing yeah. and it really shouldn't be. <laughs> well, but the, <laughs> here is the thing. The thing is, whatever you say next determines if Quibi is a permanent segment on the Saturday matinee. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, there's not going to be much to talk about if we keep it permanent. <laughs> so, so what's interesting? Okay, so I had her look at Quibi. We put it on her phone. 
the first thing that we realized is Quibi is currently not set up to, in any way to handle parental restrictions of any kind. Outstanding. So did she start with the sex doll show? <laughs> or the hitchhiker so murder her, show? I told her, start watching some stuff on stuff. here. Just but just, I'm going to leave just you alone. Don't watch anything that says mature. Oh, good. So she, she skipped all okay. the mature stuff. And so she ended up looking at three different shows. She watched some of Dishmantled, which is a cooking competition show, which sounds silly. This do you, Have you guys heard of this show? No. This is what they do. They have two blindfolded chef contestants, and then they throw a meal into their face. <laughs> <laughs> they have to be... So, you know, handy enough to basically kind of taste everything that hit them on the face so that they can then recreate it for Andy, the judges. Are you speaking at all just sort of like metaphorically or? <laughs> no. They literally throw they food throw, at another human's they face literally and that's the throw TV show? Food at well, their then they face. have to recreate the dish. Yeah, they have then, to cook it yeah, from what they taste, they taste yeah. on their face? Be like, there's exactly. tomato. Exactly. Is there any sort of bondage? Like, are they tied up when this happens or can they use their hands? That's, they're covered in. Um, uh, like they look like they're in radioactive radioactive suits, completely you know, kind of a a top to bottom onesie that's zipped up around their face, and then they have those goggles on. And when I say they throw food in their face, it is like a cannon oh, just, that basically yeah. blasts <laughs> like ingredients at them. And then you see them crawling around on the floor, tasting all the little. <laughs> Chunks. This is what happens when, like, what it is. The, the Nickelodeon kids grow up yes. and become executives yes. in the media. Oh. You know what? There's not enough of today. Well, Slime food. <laughs> so that show she's been watching. She's been watching Chrissy's Court, which <laughs> Chrissy Teigen apparently is now making legal decisions that are apparently mm. legally binding. Oh so that's that show. And then the third one is Punked, which is the basically oh, the new okay. version Punked. of the Punked okay. show. Okay. So those are the three shows that she started looking at. And, you know, and I, you know, she, I'm like, well, do you think you're going to go back and watch some more? Is it interesting to you? She's like, yeah, I might go watch the dismantled one again. Of course. So that's kind of, that's where it is. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of interest at her age level. And I just don't think that they're providing a lot of content for her age level. I feel like, like she and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of, not a lot of stuff on here that I think that you're probably going to be that interested in. I mean, there's like fight like a girl, which is an inspirational reality show. Uh, there's some documentaries and stuff, uh, some kind of magician shows, but you know, it's just not stuff that super exciting for her. And so I'm just like, gosh, you know, I just don't know. Uh, you know, if if I'm their target, and I, I I did try it out. I did watch Fifty States of Fright. That's the Sam Raimi one. Mm -hmm. I watched the first three episodes, and it's just weird because it basically feels like I'm watching a half hour show, but each episode is basically you know you get up to the commercial break, and that's the end <laughs> of the episode, and then you watch the next one, and there's no commercials, but it's like the second part of a three part thirty minute show. And that finishes up and then you go into the third episode and then it concludes. And I'm like, okay, well, I watched, you know, basically a half hour show in three little episode bite-sized chunks. It was weird. It was Which weird. Which is already I don't know enough if I for go you. Back to it. Like it's, I know because you're used to watching things only in movie size. So this has <laughs> really right. got to be throwing your worldview. It is weird. Although I will say the design that they have with it where you can turn your yeah. phone and it'll instantly flip the image from vertical to horizontal is really slick. Like they put that together really nicely to track and um, and I mean, that was something that my daughter really liked the way that that worked when she was doing that. But but otherwise, I'm just like, you know, I don't know who their market is for this. I think somebody came up with the idea of everybody has short attention spans or they have their phones, but limited time. So whatever, 10 minute segments seems great. And it had nothing to do with content and meaningful chunks or anything, because I mean, you said you just watched basically uh, three episodes one after the other. That's not how it's built to be. It's digested in a small piece and then go do something else. And then, you know, another time watch. And that that's not a viewing habit that I, don't, I think anybody has. It's not like even on TikTok, my kids don't like sit there on TikTok. We're like, well, I watched a video. I'm going to go do something else and I'll come back and watch another one. It's I'm going to sit here for an extended period of time and engage with multiple, you know, videos. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I guess maybe in New York, if you're waiting for a cab and it takes 10 minutes that that's you know yeah, right. a unit of of measurement but particularly now who who's just like oh i've got 10 minutes to to burn let me watch one thing 
Mm-hmm. I've got I've got ten hours fair, to fair. burn. Let me. Right. <laughs> I've got, I'm whiling away the end of days yes, here. Exactly. Uh, okay. So, does, so yeah, are I you done? I, I, are you done with the experiment? I'm done. All right. I'm done. Well, and you know, I'll, she might continue to watch it. I'll keep if there's anything interesting that comes out of it, I'll bring it up again. But at this point, I'm just like I think. When that free trial ends, I think it's If over. something happens that's extraordinary, I want you to signal it to us by making your trailer pick a Quibi pick. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we'll know that you're back that in the, the fold. Okay, yeah. I'll give it. Uh, that's our system. We now have a system. See the trailer? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, all right. Sounds good. Good. Uh, I'm checking the box that's marked done. I am yeah. done with that. All right. Okay, let's go to the Oscars. Let's go to the Oscars. There's things that are temporary. There's things that are permanent. There's things that they think are temporary that are going to be permanent. There's, I mean, because my first reaction was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember last year when it was, they were going to add whatever the people's choice or whatever most popular film category or whatever. And then what, two weeks later, the, right. the popular, they were like, yeah, forget that. Yeah. That's done. I, I don't see any of these being those types of things that are going to be retracted quickly. Um, I think that the move away from DVD screeners is a really smart idea because just that's like an outdated model that that made sense to me. I'm curious to see how they handle security on that. Is is that going to get rid of the pirating as well? Or is it still going to be just as rampant as, you know, DVD screeners running amok, being shared, copied, burned, whatever? Uh, or is there are there going to be a more secure digital locker for uh, the, the screeners and the process for people to view them? I, I mean, I think that's uh, something I'm... I'm glad to see them making that change no that's a good one that that one i like and honestly the sound category the combination of those two sound categories the fact that they have to explain it every year what the difference is (laughs) yes i think may might speak to the fact that maybe there only needs to be one category and from what i've heard i you know we haven't talked to um, a friend of the show andy nelson about this but uh even within the sound circles like they had said it would be easier to just have one category here Mm -hmm. so i'm curious about that um but i think you know what sure and and you know what (laughs) i at this point i'm all for any way to reduce categories so that they can add a stunt category that would be great no news about that that would have been the smart thing to do this year yes yes uh nothing there i i'm really tired of the geographic restrictions which end up being just you know, restrictions in name only, because, of course, if there is going to be a, a theatrical uh, presentation in Los Angeles County, then it's probably yeah. <laughs> going to, you know, if anywhere it's going to be there. But why even have this ridiculous thing? And, and to go to the trouble of saying that now films must have qualifying runs in Los Angeles County, also in New York, uh, New York City, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, the Bay Area in Northern California, the Bay Area in Northern California. <laughs> I mean, it's just it just it's just stupid language. Just well, be and, done and with let it. me just let me just tell you about that in the first place, because it it has become basically a way to plug theaters. Like, I don't know what the reason is, because obviously all the you know, I know Steven Spielberg was up in arms when this was a thing that came out a few years ago. But it's like it, it has basically become a thing where, OK, here's an example. When we did our documentary, The Joe Show, back in 2014, you know what we did? We had it run in a theater in L.A. and a theater in New York for two weeks just so we could submit it to the Academy to uh, for a possible nomination. Mm-hmm. Because why not? You know, uh, that's what everybody does. They'll they'll go to the trouble of paying for that just to have it screen, even if it's at empty theaters, just so they can uh, they can push for that. So it's not benefiting anything. You know, it's like we got more people to watch it online than we did by doing right, that. Right. Well, and I think that's the biggest frustration for for me too. I mean, if you're going to if if you want to plug movies or be more accessible and that is demonstrably not what the academy wants, right? I mean, that is not this is this is a uh, uh, this is very much within the category of filmmaking and the arts. This is a class discussion uh that uh, that is uh, for, 
perennially frustrating. I mean, if they're worried about Asylum films jumping up to all of a sudden Best Picture nominations, then I, I think that that's uh, you know something yeah. they don't need to really be concerned about. Right. I think that the films that are the quality will still find their way up to the top. And I, I think that, or, you know, the top in quotes is people so uh, often uh, complain about what the Academy thinks is, you know, the film's worthy of nomination. Me too. But the, so the other piece, and this, this ties into this, is the fact that this is the year because things have been pushed or, you know, canceled at festivals and all of that, that they're allowing stuff that's going straight to video on demand for, they say, for this year only because of things that had to be pushed or rescheduled, they're going to allow them, you know, that that waiver. And it, it comes back to this whole idea. And I think the statement in the article was like the Academy firmly believes there is no greater way to experience the magic of movies than to see them in a theater. Our commitment to that is unchanged and unwavering. I'm like, yeah, I, I agree. And in Discord, there was a discussion about like, what's one of your like great movie going experiences in the theater? And there is something to be said for that. But there's a lot of movies that... I come to love that I never had an opportunity to see on the big screen. And to me, I don't know what that filter does, what function mm -hmm. that really serves, because there's there's plenty of small films that, you know, there's it's created another hurdle or barrier. And if people have the ability to see it and the distribution model makes it easier, as we have you know see with like trolls to just go straight there and, and still hit a broad audience, then why do we have this archaic mode of you have to go sit in this building to to see this movie that's you know and because it does that it's now a a valid film that's worthy of of recognition versus something that goes straight to to video well i will say the one thing that i find that i will always appreciate about about going to movie in the theater is focus and that is not the fact that they have no, it focused I, yeah because <laughs> usually yeah. usually when i watch it at home it's pretty focused too but it's the fact that you are there and you are 100% focusing on one thing. At home, it's very easy. And I tell my kids this all the time. Pick yes. a screen. Yeah. yeah. Pick one. You know, don't have two screens going at yeah. the same time. Use one or the other. Don't have two. It is just, and it's really frustrating because it's, and it's become part of the, the world today. It's just, you know, very easy to kind of, you know, have two things going. And, you know, I catch myself doing that at home quite frequently. I'll be checking my phone while uh, I'm watching something. And I'm like, you know, it's, I, I lose that, um, that ability to kind of keep a single focus. And that is something that I do really love about theater experiences. And, but I, I don't know if that's as important to as many people in the well, world. Well, I think today. it's also, the problem is it's subjective, right? I mean, that is that is a deeply personal thing. And, uh, I, you know, I know a lot of people sitting in, just judging by my own theater experiences here, a lot of people would really like to have their phones out on their, <laughs> their iPads out on their laps while they're sitting in the movie theater. That's very true. Deeply subjective. I think that's the, the, the real challenge I have with this whole discussion is that it's not like if you take a look at the objective reasons that this discussion is still happening and they try to have different reasons to talk about how important the theater experience is, the real reason is just money because we have infrastructure yeah. and we have money that has been burned to support it and and moneyed interests are so deeply difficult to change and i think that's that is the to, to my eye the fundamental reason we're having discussions like this about the oscars and of course about you know amc and trolls right well so to get to that it being about money this is what i found interesting about trolls is in the article that andy shared about you know trolls hitting nearly 100 million in its first three weeks Again, we're talking about a different model here. In, in the article, it says that um, unlike the structure with theatrical gross, grosses, on the digital rentals, Universal keeps 80% of that. Yeah. So, the, you know, it makes yeah. sense that they're getting it straight direct to the audience. More profit coming straight to them because, again, there's there's not there, – you don't have that middleman. You don't have all that. And, you know, this is a movie that – does it benefit from a theatrical experience? I think there is still something about seeing a kid's movie with a bunch of people having a good time together, singing along, whatever, that is is valuable. But to me, it doesn't say doesn't make that a more legitimate movie because it ha because you are able to experience it that way versus this way. So trolls, you know, why not best animated feature, whether it was in a theater or not, doesn't change the quality of the movie. And to me, that's what the Oscars are about: is recognizing quality, not validation through a distribution model and i feel like finally hopefully the system's breaking and i'm i'm hoping that 
there's enough push that it's like, no, anything that's out there, you know, and it, perhaps that's the fear of if everything goes out there through all these different formats, how do we track? How do we how do we recognize nominations? Because if somebody puts something up, a feature film on YouTube, does that now count for Oscar consideration? Where do you draw the line? And that's that's a that's a tricky conversation to have. But then the question is, what I guess. What does the organization represent? What are they they trying to do? Because then are we going to say, well, it's not theaters. It has to be distributed by one of these companies. Uh, are we going to go that route with it? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And that Steve speaks to to speaks to that fundamental problem, which is you know it's not just the academy that is that has interest. The academy is a protectionist organization, right? It's protecting a hundred years of the way we've done things and the way our expectations are set. And I guarantee you, there are more people out there who really don't give a whip about the theatrical experience. They just want to see the movie and they just don't care where they see it. There are people like us who care deeply about that experience, but we are dying, right? We are a dying breed. And I I fear... I think what's going to happen is there will be because, you, you know, Universal's saying, hey, we're, we are making 80 percent on our money and we did very well with this movie. If we pick our horses right, then we're we actually stand to make more in our distribution doing it this way. Let's see how that math shakes out. They have no interest. Right. In in supporting the, the theater chains, if the money works out in their favor this other way, what that could potentially lead to dangerously, I think, is worse movies being supported by studios as they try to saturate the streaming services so they can get their titles up there. And I don't think that's good for the industry. I don't think that's good for for us as movie viewers. But we have demonstrated time and again that doing what is good for uh, us as movie viewers in the arts is not always what we do. That's a, a frustrating reality that I think we're going to be looking forward but to. But I think what it and we've seen this trend happen is because people have home theaters, the the you know movie theater chains have had to find different ways to get people in by giving them that unique experience. And so there are films that yeah, like Avatar, going to go see that on big screen, Atmos, IMAX, whatever. There are those big things, but also just being able to see some of those classics on the big screen because seeing. You know, Monty Python on the Holy Grail on a screen that's that big versus my laptop, my phone, even, you know, my my TV screen here and seeing it with a community of people. It, you know, why did Rocky Horror stay at Midnight Show Song? Because it's a communal experience and people love that being able to see something, you know, seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater as a kid was great. I would love to, you know, relive that experience again of the that thrill with the crowd. And I think that's what has to happen. It's not about you know, all movies have to go this way. It's what's appropriate for the right format. Trolls, you know, it's for kids. Great. Get it on those home screens and those parents will rent it. And those kids will watch it six times in, in two days easily. That's the great okay, format. Another one for you then, yeah. though, because I still haven't seen it. Uh, I um, haven't seen Invisible Man. Oh, okay. What about Invisible Man? That, that I haven't okay. seen it, but is it I, like that's another one that has been affected by this, the, the COVID And experience. I think that was one that probably benefited from being in the theaters because there's something about, I think, horror films in a certain way that it's, again, that communal experience because I had a meh reaction to it, but everybody that, on the film board that saw it had a great time yeah. with it. I think that's the other piece of it was, you know, back to Andy's point, maybe it was the fact that it was late afternoon, early evening. It was, so it wasn't a completely darkened room and that may add some atmosphere to it. Um, the fact that there may have been other things going on around the house, kids walking back and forth, this or that, that just were distractions that took away from my experience. And so I think that's perhaps the decision studios should have the the liberty to make is what is the right format for this for this film? So Trolls, great. Send it straight to you know Video On Demand. Fast and the Furious, you know, that should be on the big screen. That's big. You know, I want Atmos. I want explosions. I want immersed in all that action. It'll be okay to, to revisit it on the TV, but for me, that makes sense. And that's what I would like to see them have the ability to do is match the movie the the movie with the the format of experience that they feel is best for their audience somewhat off tra off topic but do you guys recall i feel like it was steven spielberg and sometime in the last 20 years or something who wanted to start a tv network or something or maybe it was a streaming network but the content it was a horror show only and and the content would only be available yes. after dark. Oh, yes. like in the in the hours yes. when it was dark, they were. And so that yes. kind of speaks yes. to what you're talking exactly. about. About what happened to that providing an online 
experience. I, I don't remember. I can't, I wasn't Spielberg. No, I, 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 I can't think remember. It, it was, and it's more recent. I was, think than it you're was like within about. the past we were, couple years. Yeah, yeah. Like we talked okay, about it on the show I, last year. It, well, it, it never happened, and yeah. so that's why my head thinks it must have been something that happened years ago. <laughs> oh, but um, but um, yeah, I just. But I was thinking about that. Like that's the sort of uh, an interesting way for them to kind of say, you know what, we still want you to have somewhat of an interesting experience with this that we feel there's some control over so you can only watch this after dark and i think that's kind of an interesting uh method to tackle oh, some oh, of this oh, well, i wonder oh, if that, oh, and that's oh, thinking yeah. outside of the box it goes, back, we need to do. it goes back it goes all the way back okay okay andy this is this <laughs> roll roll back the clock to june 10th 2019 Steven Steven Spielberg is writing a horror series you'll only be able to stream when it's dark it's meant as a short episode experience for Quibi (laughs) no wow that's where it goes interesting that's where it goes yes interesting But it was not. It was not the one that Sam Raimi was no. involved in because I this watched that. This is called Spielberg's yeah, After Dark. It will play out over ten to twelve episodes exclusively on Quibi, and uh, he wants the show to only be available at night. So the team came up with a new way to deliver each episode using the internal clock on your phone. I don't know what's happened with that. Wow. So yes, whole whole not even twelve months ago. That's fantastic. That, that, that speaks so to our attention You're span so and old. news cycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, we never actually said the other end of this argument, which was the we, we talked about kind of universal right. and, and their but, but exploration. It transitions but, into this, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the AMC response, I think, was delightful. Does anybody have it open? I don't like the way you're playing the game. I'm taking my ball and going home. Yes, that's exactly what that's he said. Much. That was Adam Aaron who said ball going home. Uh, that there were. I'm disappointed. It's disappointing to us. But Jeff's comments as to Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice, Aaron wrote. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. This policy affects any and all Universal movies per se, goes into effect today, and as our theaters reopen, and is not some hollow or ill-considered threat. I can't, like, I can't with these people. I just can't. They're not well. And I know that we're in the era of COVID and that cooler heads will eventually prevail because this is what I have these conversations with my young children who are still struggling to figure out how to be civil to one another when one <laughs> burps or accidentally pulls the hair of the other. That's what we see here. And it's playing out in the press. And it makes you all, all of you, look worse for it. Why? Why do you do this? Why do you actually feel the need to wear your ass as a hat? I I don't understand. I uh, so I couldn't help but feel that AMC uh, of all yeah. chains, AMC, yeah. the one that has reported, yeah. you know, the big losses that they probably won't be able to survive with COVID-19, that they're like, we've got to get into the press and and somehow stay relevant in this conversation before uh, we oh, completely shut the doors. I love stories like that because it's like when somebody asks, like, I don't understand this this phrase, cut off your nose to spite your face. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I've, I've got, got one. one right here for you. We're financially <laughs> yeah, right. struggling, so we're going to just cut off a huge revenue stream of, our, you know, we're just going to just close that off and say, nope, nope, we're, we're not going to make any money from that. Let's just shut the door on that. And I, I know that, I guess, I don't know what the repercussions are internationally i know here in the states it doesn't really affect me i've got a lot of other options than amc but i don't know internationally universal and amc and what other theater chains are you know what that might do to the landscape out there i will say that universal's distribution deal for the film no time to die they have international distribution on that and amc has apparently such a hold internationally that uh without being able to play that movie in 
in uh, AMC theaters, they could potentially lose the international distribution rights of the film. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, AMC is massive, right? I mean, they're the biggest. They're ahead of Cineworld and Cinemark, and they're they're the biggest. And I think we lose track of the fact that AMC is also Odeon and UCI and Carmike. Uh, Carmike, I don't use the, those. So, so uh, you know, they there are 2,200 screens in 244 theaters in Europe and over 8,200 screens in 660. 61 theaters in the United States, just so we have a sense of scale. And that still, I feel like, is no excuse for them to speak like children to one another in the press. It is, it, it's a, a shameful way to conduct business. I know it's a reality. It, it just makes them look dumb. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the repercussions are going to be. Um, maybe everyone will be friends again by the time, uh, you know, COVID-19 is yeah. not as big a thing as it is right now and everybody's going back. Maybe everyone will be playing nice again and and they'll have figured out a system that works. But as it stands right now, they just all sound like Well, and, like and you know there is some sweet, sweet Chinese monopoly money. And, and I don't mean <laughs> fake money. Yeah. I mean right. real, real yeah. monopoly money that is eager to slice up AMC for parts and, mm. and take a dominating oh, interest yeah. in distribution, a global distribution. And they already have been... Uh, part owned by a Chinese conglomerate. So I I feel like this is, the, you know, that we're, we're this is the telltale heart playing yeah. out right here uh, with AMC and, and their leadership. So we'll see what happens. But I'm it is it is a curiosity. Let's do trailers. I was thrilled to find a film that had a trailer that was bearable that actually related to our topic for our list and just sort of brought it all together with a film that is uh, probably out there somewhere now. As listeners are listening to this, The Flood, uh, release date of May 1st. Uh, this is one of these uh, stories with an important message about Immigration. It's the story of a hardened immigration officer who decides the fate of a dangerous asylum seeker. And as we see in the trailer, the reason he's seeking asylum, he's fleeing his country uh, because he's committed treason. And if he goes back, he's, you know, they're going to kill him. Uh, so it's a question about what what type of justice does this man deserve? Uh, this is The Flood from director Anthony Woodley, who I had not heard of, but uh, has done a couple other shorts. And uh, apparently he likes to spend time up in the sky because he is a aerial, aerial assistant aerial coordinator, aviation coordinator on Black Widow, assistant aerial coordinator on the Hulu series catch 22 so apparently he's up in the air all the time but this time he's down on the on the ground with the flood of something i don't know what the flood is if it's a flood of immigrants it's a flood of water if it's a metaphorical flood a literal flood i don't know i will have to wait to watch this to find out what maybe it's a typo and it's supposed to be the food <laughs> and they're just well, really <laughs> They're waiting for meals to arrive. It's sitting at a whopping 5.1 on IMDb with 565 reviews. So that does not bode well for this. But it may be just a movie that wears its message openly on its sleeve. And it's something that people just don't want right now. They want uh, something that's just going to entertain. Maybe not something that's going to challenge them to think. I don't know. Or maybe it just doesn't execute well on the concept. How do you guys feel about but, this one? But but Steve, what? Lena Headey, yeah. and Ian Glenn. Yeah. It's it's a Game of Thrones reunion movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I felt I'd yeah. give this I, I felt about five point one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roughly five point one after watching the trailer. I'm just not sure that what it was that was gonna hook me. And honestly, given the list this week, um I was disappointed that there was no flood. <laughs> you know, I I really do enjoy stories about immigrants and immigration. I find that it's a really, it's a concept in a storytelling that allows for just a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, difficulty and everything. And I, I think that it's, it's, it's one of those stories that I think could potentially have something great in it. I think that some of those points about the, you know, where it sits right now, I'm just like, nah, I'm not quite as excited anymore about this but uh which is a shame because i feel like it's something that i want to watch and want to be good so I, i'm, I'm at oh, least I, curious I, about I, it. I mean this is one of these things where this is a film that uh 
I assume it would not even not even if it wasn't now 2020 with this whole, you know, thing going on. This was last year. This is when I wouldn't anticipate getting a big theatrical release, something that's going to end up, you know, direct to video and that, you know, you're going to stumble across on on a streaming service someplace and go, oh, I recognize these faces. I, I wonder how this is. And. Yeah, sort of give it a shot. That's, yeah, right. you know, what I'm expecting out of this. I thought I put this joke to bed, and I, and I was adamant about it, but I am holding a candle for a Woody Allen film. Also, it's another—why are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking. I'm, I'm hiding my eyes in shame. Why are you hiding? No, because— I know. I know, I know it's a controversial I, No, no. Well, I, the funny thing was, I'm watching this, and about 30 seconds in, I'm like— this feel really feels like a Woody Allen movie. Is this a Woody yeah. Allen? This has got to be a Woody. Allen. Is he ma- making movies still? Is anybody allowing him to make movie? Who's letting him around these young children? Yeah. Who's letting him around these young children? <laughs> right. This is not a good idea. Why is his cast all under the age of like thirty? What is going on? This is not safe, kids. Not safe to be around him. Run. I know. I I get it. I get the baggage that comes with this. I had a very similar kind of experience about 30 seconds into the movie. I did not know what I was watching. I just clicked play. It's trailer 2020, whatever. And about 30 seconds into it, I said, oh, I'm totally picking this trailer. And I got to the end. I was like, oh, screw it. It's Woody (laughs) Allen. Yes. Especially considering that this was several years old yeah. and Amazon had to stop its release because of uh, the whole Me Too movement with uh, Alan. Well, so. and it's interesting to see these characters and these actors, Tim- Timothy Chalamet uh, and Elle Fanning and Leif Scriber. And and uh, I think it has a, um, a, a great cast. Uh, Selena Gomez is in it. It uh, looks like she gets a little bit of a, a headline grab and maybe not that huge of a part. We'll see. Uh, but I... I like oh Jude Law is in it. I mean he Woody Allen has a way of bringing together interesting casts mm-hmm. and uh, and so I I feel like he's it's uh, sounds like smart writing. I was a fan of Cafe Society. I was a fan like uh, and the the uh, Moonlight uh, what was that Midnight in Paris? I really enjoyed and so I know I'm the one I'm the one who likes Woody Allen uh, late Woody Allen movies. I'll I'll take it. Um, this one I think. Uh, has some nice flair to it and it has an interesting set of dialogue the whole idea of these of this couple going into new york and splitting and the adventures that they each go through uh with regard to you know hollywood and movies and tv shows and whatever they're they're making note i said hollywood i don't mean hollywood filmmaking um i i think it looks like an interesting romp in the city so watching this trailer made me realize I don't need Woody Allen movies anymore because I've got Wes Anderson movies for for my really smart writing, clever stuff that's fun, that's light, that's quirky, that's a little neurotic, but it plays so much better. And I was watching this and I thought, yeah, this feels like Woody Allen. I prefer Wes Anderson to that. And I think that I I don't want to say what, you know, that you have to choose one or the other, but for what I would derive out of what the joy I got out of a Woody Allen film, I don't. I don't get from him anymore because I've, I've replaced him. Yeah. You've replaced Not him. to mention Noah Baumbach is another I didn't uh, think you liked Noah option. Baumbach movies, Andy. I like uh, a number of them, but I also uh, am not, I don't, I don't dislike them. I'm just like, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say, but, I'll say I agree with all of yeah. those points. I just haven't given up yet on what I get out of Woody Allen movies. It is still easier for me to just not be aware of of the Woody Allenness of it, yeah. and and I really enjoy the uh, uh, you know Al Fanning and Timothy Chalamet. I think they oh, look yeah. like a really interesting on screen couple together, and I'm I'm very curious about how they take this awkwardness and turn it into a fun little story. So uh, it is a 6.6 on the IMDb scale. So somebody likes it. And that's 19,000 people who are responding. It has been all over the festival circuit. Uh, And so we'll see. It does not have, as far as I can see, a U.S. release date. It does have a U.K. internet release date of uh, coming up. So I don't know when we're actually going to get to to see it easily a lot of the, the actors in it donated their salaries to uh mm. different uh organizations good. like Ring. Yeah. good for yeah. them see that yeah. allows yeah. me yeah. to feel better about watching okay. it i donated my attention too <laughs> to my attention yeah. 
Oh, oh, geez. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with Steve. I like, you know, I, I've seen like all the Woody Allen films that I've seen that I enjoy. I still have those, and I'm at a point now where I'm just like, I just don't need any more Woody Allen in my life. All right, that's fair. There, you guys took like the two trailers that were you, anything you know decent to funny? watch. I watched... also, Andy, had you turned tuned in to our rundown for about this five minute window, you would have seen that I'd picked your trailer. Oh, yep. really? So I get, I get two wins. Well, and you probably should have, because to be <laughs> honest with you, like I have never, my trailer is the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy versus the Reverend <laughs> Netflix movie, which is, I guess, a follow up to the four seasons that they did for unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It is a show I've never seen. I really, I had to read a synopsis of what the show was to go, I, I, what's going on with this? I don't know really what's going on with this this trailer. I have no idea. Because you know me, I'm not really that interested in, in TV, especially sitcoms. I just really don't care for them too much anymore. And so, but you know, I will say, I like the tone of this, but the reason that I really picked it is because this is, we're going back to kind of the Bandersnatch model where, you know, you get to have your remote control in your hand ready for interactive storytelling. And when options pop up, like, are you going to make out right now? Or are you going to plan that wedding? You get to pick what the characters are going to do. It, you know, I enjoy that idea and and hardly anybody has really done it because, I mean, I know in the scope of production, it means a lot more production, but I love that people are trying it. And I just don't think other than Bandersnatch, I don't think I've heard of any others doing it. So I'm, I kind of hope that, you know, people continue trying this, even if it is sitcoms that I've never watched. So that's my trailer, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy versus the Reverend. I, I'd like to see all of my time to uh, the gentleman from Arizona, because that is the only reason I wanted to pick this trailer is because Steve didn't. I know he is a bigger <laughs> fan even of Kimmy Schmidt than I am, and uh, I was very surprised he didn't do I, this. I didn't see that, actually, or I scrolled past it and didn't make a connect. I, I don't know. Or maybe I was thinking, oh, it's a... I Well, I had heard about it, but I didn't know it was a interactive movie i thought they were doing like everybody's doing that like uh thursday night is the parks and rec you know episode that they're yes. you know so i thought maybe it was a oh we're gonna do one more episode type of thing i didn't know it was an actual movie so i'm thrilled i love this this is the perfect comedy with this whole like branching pick pick choices so many great comic moments that in opportunities that are to do something with this and i love the fact that we're going back to you know bringing back the reverend and all of this stuff just yeah it makes makes my heart happy to come to come back to this land again and have fun with it and you know i had to do my i had to pull up my calculator to find out exactly what was it it was like the uber's going to be here in what is it four thousand yes exactly how long it's uh, about 67 hours so, <laughs> so maybe they wouldn't decompose, <laughs> they probably wouldn't on the decompose road, but, but that still, was yes very tina fey yes. humor i i titus burgess makes oh, me happy yes. and when he turns to the camera and so says funny. maybe you can <laughs> help us i lost it i thought that was just brilliant yes. so so andy you've got you've got pick. you've got four and seasons way, of kimmy schmidt to you know catch up on yeah yeah and by by the way titus burgess is the host of of uh, oh, dismantled really? uh, oh, no. yes. does he so, actually throw the food no, it's it's cannons it's air cannons they just blasted at you oh anyway <laughs> We're going to do some re-ranking. Re-ranking. It'll be lightning round. Re-ranking lightning round. Ooh, lightning round. First up, Bull Durham or Marty? Bull Durham. <laughs> okay. okay. El City at three ninety nine. Next up, the Parallax View. Ooh, that's good. Or Gone with the Wind. Parallax oh, I'll take view. Parallax View. Steve, I mean, I haven't you haven't seen Parallax View yet? Oh, for crying yeah, out loud. All right. All right. Steve's a horrible yeah, person. Go see right now. This is a Parallax View Health Study at 362. Next up, Children of the Corn, 1984, or Room? Room. Room, please. Give me Room. Uh, room Health Study at Spot. Andy's slowing down. <laughs> 32. 32. Got to skip the next one because we haven't talked about it on the show yet. Next up, LA Confidential or Double Indemnity? Oh, wait. wow. Oh, wait, dear. wait, LA Confidential or what? Double indemnity. Double indemnity. Oh, okay, because you, 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 uh, LA confidential. No, double indemnity. Double indemnity. All right, you can have it. I don't. 
You can have it. I don't I lost. care. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> Double indemnity. Held steady. Spot right. 81. Next up, Star Trek The Motion Picture or The Red Shoes. Oh. Red Shoes. I'll say Red, red shoes. shoes. Oh, wow. Jump. Jumped from 247 to 77. Wow. Star Trek The Motion Picture. What were you doing up there? It was You had lots of love for Star uh, Trek at that, that time. You know, it's, it's oh, yeah, still yeah. Is a good it's movie. Just, it's just slow. Yeah. Joe vs. the Volcano or Joe A Star is Born 1954 Judy Garland version. <laughs> Joe vs. the Volcano. Yes. Absolutely. I'm just dragging it out. Joe vs. the Volcano. Hell's Eddie is about 232. What is he doing? What did you do? do? What? Yeah, what did you Andy? do? I don't know what we've done, Pete. Are you serious? I'm, I'm not arguing yes. that with you. We got- I blame <laughs> you for all of these infractions. <laughs> all right. Next up, Fat City or Ministry of Fear from uh, Fritz Lang series. I will, I will say, I will Fat, say City. Fat City. Yeah. I've Steve, seen both, see of, those, both yeah. of these, don't you? Uh, Fat City held steady in 249. Last uh, uh, one, Das Boot or Das Boot. Das Boot. All right. That was a jump, 162 to 124. Not a huge jump. Nice. All right. That was that was the speed Speediest ranking. Speed rounds. Cinematic floods. This uh, was because this week on the show, we are talking about uh, Agnieszka Holland's uh, film In Darkness, continuing that series of her films. And uh, it is about, uh, it's a Holocaust story about somebody who is helping the Jews by hiding them out in the sewers. And at one point, there is a flood. And so that was on the list. And of course, everybody voted for cinematic floods. So we are here to talk about films no, no, with floods. It's films with cinematic floods. And so I was wondering, so with what cinematic does cinematic flood. flood mean exactly? It's not just any flood, it's cinematic. So does that mean any flood yes. on film? That's right. It could be a metaphoric <laughs> cinematic Because then it's cinematic, isn't it? It's in the cinema. I don't yeah. know. I wasn't so that because it's movies. So that I didn't know if it had to be epic. It has to, it has right. to be epic. No, it has to be in an AMC theater. <laughs> I just read a letter. Okay. Because I was struggling with that one a bit of like how it wasn't epic. It was cinematic. And I thought, you know, we just put thought, these things a, down because they were being clever. <laughs> there's water running along the bottom of the screen. Is that a cinematic flood? I don't know. All right. Uh, all right, Steve, what's your first one? Uh, my first one is probably, okay, so it's probably the smallest in scale of the the floods. And so I, is it? T- so is it, is it, is it more of a, a cinematic yeah, streaming? No, no it was, there was, there was a rush water. So this is in, um, no, I mean, it's cinematic yes. for streaming, right. not yes. for theater. <laughs> no, no, this is a cinematic experience. Um, uh, Harrison Ford and his family getting washed away in the uh, Mosquito Coast. Their little home, but they get there's tropical storm. Their yeah, little yes, ice factory. exactly. So I was like, well, it's a tropical storm. It wasn't like a whole flood, but they do get washed washed away. So, all right, I'm not gonna call it a steal. Yeah, but it was on the okay. list. I had forgotten about that one. Uh, I would oh, have put a, it on. That's it, a but, classic. Uh, that's a, that's yeah, a classic like in our household. Yeah. yeah. Great film. All one. right, I am gonna start with. Um, Oh, man, a, a couple of these things I actually took seriously. And so I'm going to start with the... <laughs> well, that's nice to know. And You're finally taking should, it seriously. I guess I should start by saying, now, when you say flood, do we actually mean water? Because I understand that now there's some debate. And it could be maybe metaphoric, World War Z is on the list. Just oh, a wave of oh, a flood, a flood of zombies. Oh, okay, it's not. Uh, I'm going to start with... Um, <laughs> Uh, 2010 movie and so the way I approach this was to to think about what like what was it that terrifies me about the particular portrayal of the flood and um, because some floods are big and what I would call cinematic because they're big and grand are full of grandeur but uh, they they're not really scary and this first one I think scared me more than others and that is the 2010 movie the hereafter uh hmm. this is a, a movie it, it tells sort of three stories it's not a great movie but this this one particular storyline right is uh is about this um uh journalist who's who's actually caught in the 
the Indian Ocean uh, tsunami. And it starts with, you know, they're shopping on this little boulevard and you, you we cut out to the the ocean and you just see the water just so quickly. It just v- recedes. And then a, a fishing boat that's just a little bit further out just gets flipped over. And then the water comes sneaking back up and suddenly it is it is unavoidable and people are just swept away in cars and buildings. But it is it's one of those things that uh, I think because it's not, um, um, you know, the way it starts, it's it's like washing over hovels and like bodegas and things. It just looks so real, so scary and so unavoidable. And, um, you know, what it does to the people is just terrifying. Uh, so I think portraying that that real event, uh, they did a particularly good job in that movie. Again, movie. Eh, it was not that great, but th- that particular storyline was, I think, strong. What is the? Uh, what is? Didn't it? even is see it, that one. The Clint Eastwood one with Matt Damon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't even remember that one. It didn't look. It didn't look yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was one that I was like, eh, skip yep. that one. Totally. That get was that. in a weird period of Eastwood. All of a sudden, he's making yeah. tons of stuff. And I'm like, where's he? Where's he making all these movies that seem totally forgettable? Did he like kid- kidnap Matt Damon? Didn't they do like several movies right around that? Did he kidnap Matt there, Damon? Aren't there like a couple different movies? Yeah, because the, uh, the also did the South African yeah, soccer right. movie, which was better. Actually, yeah. I I uh, had fonder feelings of that. Okay, one. so yeah, because I was just trying to figure out. Yeah, Invictus was two thousand nine, and then here after yeah. two thousand ten, yeah, and then. It yeah. was the year after 2010. And then Matt he abducted Matt Damon for two years. And, <laughs> and he two, broke two, out of his room. He joined Kimmy <laughs> yeah. Schmidt. <and> then, <laughs> oh, right. Uh, All right. All right. Does anybody else have my a movie? first pick? <laughs> I'm my first pick. I'm going with one. I I I'm torn now because I'm like nothing I had was stolen. Which one should I do? I don't know. So I'm just going to go with this one because. Man, was this a fun movie. This came out last year. It was Crawl, uh, Alexander uh, Hodges' film you were gonna pick with that. Yeah. Just, just all of the the crocodiles uh, and uh, Caius Scodelario and Barry Pepper as the father and daughter trapped in their house being hunted by uh, alligators, I mean, um, at, during this hurricane that hits. There is just so much fun stuff happening in this movie. It is just a an awesome romp. It is kind of today's Jaws uh, in a weird way because at least for like my my kids, my daughter, this is the thing that, they, that she and her friends are all seeing to get scared yeah. and stuff. So I was like... It, no, I loved it. I had a great time. Crawl. Nice. I haven't seen it. And it really bugs oh, me so because funny. I think it was a trailer pick. We talked about it. It was exciting. And I still just never got around to it. It's worth All it. Right. Great time. Noted. Oh, I don't know which one of these to do because they're they're similar. They're both okay movies. I'll go with all right. I'll go with I'll go with Noah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with Noah with Russell Crowe and Epic Biblical Floods. Pretty much know how that one's yeah, going to Yeah, exactly. Huh? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> but did you know there would be I rock didn't. giants? Did I? It's one that I, <laughs> See? you know, I, I think I saw it. This one, it came out in theaters when I had my appendix out. And so I think I may have seen it, or maybe I saw it when shortly after getting my appendix out, because I have hazy recollections of this movie. I remember it being really odd. And I know it's Darren Aronofsky that I have issues with. So it's one that I put on this list and thought, that may be a reminder to revisit this movie and give it another chance. I, I don't know. I, I will see. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it <laughs> because it's so yeah. peculiar. It's like... <laughs> such a strange take i'm like i i'm all in like that it's it's it is a really interesting version of that story and i have a great time watching it i say good pick it wasn't to steal but i had it as a backup my uh second film is a south korean movie from 2009 and i pick it because uh i i watched the whole thing it used to i've been looking for it all afternoon because it used to be available in full on youtube of course because I watched it there, it immediately got pulled off. Uh, but it is the the uh, 2009 film Tidal Wave, and it is it's a tsunami film, and it is billed as, uh, you know, uh, South Korea's first big budget disaster film, right? And and as with many firsts 
in national cinema history, it comes with some pros and cons. Uh, the pros are it has the first half of the movie sets up couple after couple after couple after couple. And the last 35 minutes or so rips them apart just gloriously, emotionally, uh, the, it, it, uh, CGI specifically. Uh, but there is this comic character who he ends up on a suspension bridge that they keep coming back to throughout the movie as he tries to get across this bridge and the things they throw at this poor chap as he tries to get off it, it's worth the price of admission alone it is this movie is not great but it does some things really interesting related to the flood the flood dynamics and again that last 35 minutes is uh it, it's it's pretty exciting uh the the in the spirit of breaking suspense all i have to tell you is there's another flood and they <laughs> it is amazing just think about all of that you see as you're watching it and just know don't worry there's still another flood this movie is exuberant in its love awesome. of flooding a city so all right for my second pick i am doing the uh 2012 film the impossible <sighs> j.a bayona's film another tsunami film <laughs> steal that that was another one for me because it was so terrifying they just did it was such a grounded uh you know horrific example of of uh, capturing that real experience that was pretty spectacular yes they did let me just ask you uh either you boy uh, smithies you know skilled in the metallurgical arts (laughs) i'm the goddamn paterfamilias Oh, brother, where out thou? Oh, brother, it's the great flood. The great flood. <laughs> Cow on a roof. There we go. Need, need you say more? There. And it's a movie we've talked about, so I, you've done I've yourself done, right. done myself right. There we are. Yeah, yeah. My final movie is the one that I do take, in fact, the least seriously, uh, and... I can't. I mean, there's so much dumb about this movie uh, that it's hard to even talk about. But there is something speaking of the theater experience. I saw this in the theater and the theater experience of this movie is one that was actually worth paying for because it was a spectacle. It is not a great movie. But when you see the giant tsunami come over the Himalayas to take down the monks and their bell on the mountaintop in 2012, then you'll know that the world is really falling apart. And that's what they're trying to tell you in in 2012. It's not a good movie. Uh, Roland Emmerich uh, made a massive disaster movie, and he put Thandie Newton and John Cusack through it, and they were clearly never the same. Chewie survived. Chiwetel Ejiofor survived. Thank goodness to uh to do better films but i found this is one of those effects movies that i actually really delighted in and uh that it's a legitimately good ship roll when they roll that ship over uh, that poor sailor not good not good can i say i'm glad i haven't seen that one i think i well i don't know i always confuse that one with the day after tomorrow I don't know. That was almost on my yeah, list. That's another one where I'm just like, it was just disaster movie with people in it yeah. that just, eh, I have forgettable. Well, and that's the thing. Was there a flood in The Day After Tomorrow, uh, yeah. too? Was there a flood yeah. and then it froze? Yeah, there is. Like and the there's a, there's flood? a woman in the bikini running down the street away from uh, uh, from the thing as it came down. And that, that same thing was done almost shot for shot in Geostorm, <laughs> which is a movie that made me so mad. I, I, I ranted about it for weeks because it was so bad. I was insulted by Geostorm. So that's this is the top of that class. 2012 is the best is a movie that is is the best of the of the biggest most money only for effects no story. And so I I call this one out as special for that reason. It is implausible, improbable, ridiculous and still fun. Put on Pink Floyd's The Wall. <laughs> Well, I can't believe that I made it through this whole thing without having anything stolen. Um, and I'm glad I got a still in there. Can't believe <laughs> to it. top that off. Um, so for my final pick, I'm going with the Norwegian film, The Wave from 2015, which I found to be just a really well done, uh, very kind of uh, realistic depiction of 
what would it be like if a in one of these fjords, if there was this huge kind of landslide off the mountain and it created this giant tidal wave and flooded the city? It worked incredibly effectively. Uh, these characters were really interesting. Definitely a film worth checking out. It is directed by Roar Uthaug. It is the 2015 film The Wave. What a great set of lists of movies. Indeed. Yeah. I like every one of these. Do you guys have any these. backups? Uh, let me find it. I had Prince of Egypt, The Rains Came, and The River. And then if I really had to, Hard Rain. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't believe I didn't think of Prince of Egypt because I would have absolutely put that one on there. I I, I like that. Technically, movie. it's well, not it's, a flood, it's, but, it's, it's, it's but yeah. And that, so my debate for it number is if you're in it, right? Yes. <laughs> if you're yeah, right. if you're if you're if walking you, through a path the ocean, the in the ocean, Egyptian, it's in a the flood. flood. <laughs> yes, it is. So my alternate for two that I couldn't debate, uh, I was debating on was uh, the other Noah story, Evan Almighty. Steve Carell. Oh, oh I yeah. Never saw that Which one. had a big That's flood a at the end. Yes. Yep. So that was funny. No, all of mine, I, I felt pretty confident. So I only came with one backup. And uh, and so I had to, my bottom of the barrel was 2012. It was going to be the impossible, but that got stolen. So what are you going to do? What are we going to do what this week? What are you going to do? Yeah. What is it? What's the film? This week we are talking, we are closing out our Agnieszka Holland series with one of her more recent films, Spore. Which is a, uh, it's a murder mystery. <laughs> there are, uh, there's a hunting. We, you know, I feel like hunting is something yeah. that would make sense okay. to put on the list. Okay. You haven't seen it, Steve, right? Well, because it's like nigh impossible to find. Right? Yeah. I got to go break into the library, steal a copy. You can probably find yes. ways. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's hunting. There is astrology there's kind of that whole mystical side of things oh what about yeah. what about um armchair is she is she really an armchair detective what would you call her well she's not an actual she's detective, not a so detective. I mean, could you say <laughs> but would you call her an armchair detective like what would be the term for her yeah okay okay I, I mean, armchair I detective yeah that. i could okay. go along with that i could go along with there's, that okay this is an easy set, right? It's got to be an easy set. Something about, uh, so we've got hunting, which is the man versus beast. What about beast versus man? Good. What could we do oh. that's related to animals? Because there is that whole I'll just thing. Put beast versus oh, man. Okay. Good. You said it right there. So, yeah. So now we have dog bites man and man bites dog. There movies. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, for that first one, do you want me to just put it that way? Man. Uh, man, men hunting animals. Men hunting animals. Animals hunting or men. people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And armchair okay. detectives in the middle of it all. Okay. <laughs> the poll will be up in our show talk channel over on our Discord group. So if you would like to vote in our poll and get your voice heard, so that you can pick which list we're going to put together for next week's show, just uh, become a patreon supporter and you can get into that show talk channel to vote how would they do that pete well that is a great question andy they would head over to the nextreel.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash the next reel and uh, for just a few bucks a month they can support us and support the work we do in the show and support hosting and uh, there, there are a lot of things that that money goes toward uh we're very excited to um uh, welcome everybody into our online community the the discord community is just a, it's a great and valuable place full of really nice movie lovers and um uh it's a it's a fun place to share reviews and share thoughts and discussion and it's not uh you know there's no um it's not poisoned by the broader internet uh so come hang out with us patreon.com slash the next reel steve what else can they do well, you know, when you're not binging Kimmy Schmidt or sitting yourself down through a marathon of Holocaust movies or whatever it is you might be doing, <laughs> sometimes you have to go outside. And when you go outside, typically nowadays, you can't just go outside unprotected. You need to have a mask. You need a face mask. And you, you if you go to thenextreel.com slash merch, if you are there at the right time, you can get one of these <laughs> rare, very hard to acquire masks because there's limited quality quantities daily i am just waiting to purchase my i am patient zero face mask so i next time i go out i can declare my love for all things the next reel warn people i am patient zero while protecting myself from infecting others or being infected by them i 
I have to say, in, in terms of commentary, now that I have seen them, I recognize that it will take a special sort of bravery to wear them in public. <laughs> so if you if you want one, I encourage you to get one. But if you want something and you support the show, we have them for everything else, too. You can get a generic yes. logo oh, one. Yes. You can get the Auteur Theory face mask. You could wear Taron Tinty on your mouth if you want. Uh, and, of course, OK Cinema <laughs> is a perfect way to show that you are a... <laughs> special breed of movie nerd so. or or even the marvel movie minute you've got the yes, you know there, there's you've got, some you've got that whole thing with i'm the, telling you yeah. if, if you looked at kyle and rob and the yeah. ultimate fear icon yes. on your face it is awesome yes these are two guys you want to wear on your snout <laughs> Sure, they'd love it. But, but if you don't want to risk wearing a mask to go outside, you can get our other, th- you've got shirts and all kinds of other wonderful merch that you can get there at thenextreel.com slash merch to support the show in, in various ways. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's show. We appreciate your support. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Honda. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well.